Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show with your host, Donnie Blanchard. Brought to you by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Raleigh, a roofing supplier with a different approach. Yes, we have gained control of the microphones once again. Welcome to the Carolina Contractor Show. My name is Eric Smith, and with us is your host, Donnie Blanchard from SureTop Roofing. Have you been busy, Donnie, past couple days? Yes, sir, we have. We have. These storms generated quite a bit of work. You getting a bunch of calls? We are. We actually got calls all through the night, the night of the storm, and they've slowed down a little bit to this point, but yeah, definitely a lot more work than we're used to this time of year. And hang on, because we're going to talk about what steps you need to take if you had damage to your roof, or you're not even sure if your roof was damaged, things that you can look for. The best place to start is the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. We've got information about the show, past shows, and also the Carolina Contractor is on Facebook. And, Donnie, you keep that up, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We update it almost daily with uh, things that we find interesting or we run across on the web. We put that out there, and a lot of times it ends up turning into a topic for the show. Exactly. And we also have past shows up there. For example, last week we were talking uh, – I forgot his name. I'm sorry. Stephen Andrews. Stephen Andrews. He buys and rents properties, but the big subject – we talked about was he'll buy a property and make a decision. Am I going to renovate this property or am I going to sell it? He renovates and rents most of those because that's his business model that works for him. But um, that particular show generated a ton of traffic for us. And uh, I want to say it was number three in downloads for all the shows we've done. And uh, I, I just I thought it was really fascinating. Some of the points that he made, like when you're debating on renting the house out or just flipping the house and turning a profit if that puts you into a different tax bracket. And, and just things like that are a lot of points to consider that, that I would never think about otherwise. Exactly. And if you want to listen to the podcast, it's available on the iHeartRadio app. You can download it there or wherever you get your podcast. Again, we'll have links up at the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. That's a great place to start. Now, the big topic of discussion is all the storms we had Thursday night that came through. I'm sure some people spent the night wondering what was happening, and then Friday morning they went out and looked and saw they had roof damage, or as we like to talk about, you might have roof damage but don't know it yet. So we're going to talk in detail about some things you need to do, and I'll let you start that off. It's the next morning after a big storm like we had Thursday. Mm-hmm. What do people need to do, Donnie? Um, well, the majority of what we're seeing is uh, folks were losing three-tab shingles. So if you still have a three-tab shingle roof, you're much more vulnerable than that of an architectural. And uh, I'll get into some reasons why and wind ratings after I go over the insurance protocol. But the first step is to make sure that you have legitimate damage. A lot of times folks will have a leak, but they don't necessarily see any missing shingles. And that doesn't necessarily qualify you for an insurance claim. So step one, if you do have missing shingles, is to mitigate your damages. And that means you as the homeowner are responsible for tarping or temporarily repairing any kind of area that could lead to more damage inside. So if you've got 30 missing shingles and you just don't do anything about it, or you know if you aren't capable, that's one thing. But if you have several days to temporarily repair that area and you don't, and you get more damage to the inside as a result, the insurance company technically doesn't have to cover that. In most cases they will, but it's just the right thing to do, and it's good for your peace of mind. 
back to what we said about the leak. A lot of folks say, hey, I've got a leak. Do I call insurance? That's a popular question, and the answer is no. Uh, you want to at least speak to your agent first and not call the claim in to the carrier or at least have a, a local qualified roofer. Um, we, we'll come out and take a look at what you have. And uh, I was an insurance adjuster for about eight years in my 20s, and I have a good feel for mm-hmm. what I think they will cover or not. And uh, we just kind of give you that assessment there on site and tell you if we think that it's worthy for an insurance claim. And from what we're seeing, you know, it's pretty black and white. There aren't very many roofs that we've seen that were on the fence. They've all lost enough shingles to qualify for a roof replacement. And one of the reasons, as Donnie mentioned a couple minutes ago, about you, the homeowner, trying to mitigate the damages is because even if you have to call an adjuster to come out, that could be two or three weeks out, and you don't want to wait. That's right. Another point to make on damage mitigation is that if you have to hire a general contractor or a roofer to come put tarps or temporarily repair that area, the insurance company is liable for that bill. So they will cover that. They just want you to take the initiative to, to have that done sooner rather than later. But yeah, it takes a while, especially after a big wind event or a hail event like this. Um, they pull adjusters in from other cities, other states, and uh, they drop 60, 80 claims on one person. And that person has to sort through those claims. And, you know, um, I think it does you a better service as the homeowner to be patient with them and work with them because a lot of times uh, these guys aren't sleeping their way from their families. And mm-hmm. I just think establishing a good rapport and not being someone that's it's very demanding will get you further on that insurance claim than it, than would if you're pushy. All right, Donnie, one other thing people need to know, what are some of the things they can look for that will indicate they probably have damage? Of course, something through the roof, but is there mm-hmm. something visually you can look for? We've I don't know if we had hail in this storm. We didn't at my house, but I know hail's an indicator if you have right. hail damage and stuff, but what else can right. they look for? Well, with the hail damage, a lot of times you can look at your gutters or your mailbox, things that are aluminum or metal, and they'll show those hail strikes if, in fact, the hailstones were large enough to make an impact. But... Um, you can look for uh, if your shingles will normally be apparent if they're missing. You know, a lot of times folks say, I, w- I walked out and I saw the shingles laying in my yard. So <laughs> you don't often look up at your roof, but um, now's a good time to do that. And we do several shows here where we cover things that you can inspect from the ground. And I just think it's good practice to check your roof out after any kind of storm, much less the high winds that we had. But um a lot of times when these three-tab shingles are damaged, they don't actually come off, and you really have to be on the roof to see this, but the insurance companies count a creased shingle. So if that three-tab flips all the way back over and makes a crease at the top and then lays back down normal, it's really hard to see that from the ground. But when an insurance adjuster gets up there, they count that just like a missing shingle. So in your case, if a homeowner goes outside, looks at the roof, and from the ground anyways, it doesn't look like there's any damage, probably something in the near future to mm-hmm. contact Suretop Roofing when things settle down and say, I need a roof inspection. Would you Absolutely. check it out? Yes, we're, we're happy to do that. And the point I want to make, because there's still a lot of three-tab roofs out there, um, these new architectural HDZ shingles that we covered, um, this is a product put out there by GAF, and it's the Timberline series. But the HDZ shingles actually went through a testing phase about two months ago, and they tested out with an unlimited wind warranty. Now, we've been preaching that we did a 130-mile-an-hour wind warranty on everything up to this point, and, of course, that requires full perimeter starter strip, uh, six nails per shingle, and just you know, certified contractor to put those on. But now with these HDZs, they are uh, testing out off the charts. So since these shingles have been put out, 
there has been no better time than now to upgrade from the three tab to an architectural. And I'm sure when a storm comes through and you have heavy winds, you can rest a little bit easier knowing that you've got such a great warranty with those GAF HDZ shingles. The Z, by the way, stands for zombie. It's actually zone for the, oh, zone, in, the zone. wider okay. strike zone. So I'm just trying to help them market nice. that product. But yeah. Again, you can contact SureTopRoofing.com. Dining and his team will come out. They give free consultations and roof inspections all the time so you can have yours checked out and rest at ease. Now, on to the subject of today, now that we've gotten through the weather, is something that we've referenced before in the past, and that is self-healing concrete. Now there is a new product mm-hmm. called... Uh, well, this product is called Zypex that we're going to talk about today, but just to reference that previous show, I think we did that show around nine, ten months ago, and uh, when I ran across the concept of self-healing concrete, I was I was blown away by just simplicity of, of what they do. And what that was is they, they actually have a bacteria that they inject into or spray onto a cracked concrete. And it's really a big thing in Europe where all these buildings are older and deteriorating. But that bacteria gets down into the, the concrete cracks and actually water activates the bacteria, which generates limestone that fills up the cracks. So I thought, wow, what a novel concept, but but so simple. The way I found out about this Zypex product is I was doing a job for a gentleman who used to be the vice president of Chandler Concrete, and if you're local, you've probably seen their trucks all over. In our discussion, we were talking about uh, waterproofing agents for masonry products like a chimney, for instance, and I told him about what we've used in the past, and he said, well, you've got to go check out this Zypex stuff. It's fascinating. And he gave me a little bit of insight about how they used it in the concrete world. And um, so picture this. Concrete is basically like a hard sponge. It has capillaries, and it's it's porous, whether you can see those pores or not. These capillaries, if you can envision small tunnels and channels mm-hmm. running all through the concrete, and it's just part of concrete's natural mass. And actually, uh, once it's saturated, it will permit the passage of water, uh, hence the need for a waterproofing agent. Well, this Zypex product gets into those capillaries, and it forms tiny little crystals. By the way, we posted a about a three-minute short video of this on our Facebook page for the Carolina Contractor, if you'd like to check that out. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, you want to stop the water intrusion into these capillaries or small tunnels cracks. And, and the way this works is when the water comes into contact with this product after it's applied to the concrete, by means of diffusion, the reactive chemicals in the Zypex They use the water as a migrating medium to enter and travel down further into those cracks. So once the Zypex product is distributed into the crack, it has a chemical reaction between the Zypex, the moisture, and the byproducts of the cement hydration, and it forms a non-soluble crystal. The reason that's important is because after the crystals are formed, they can't be broken down by any other water. So to put this in layman's terms, you have a water leak on one side or the other of a masonry wall. You put this stuff on that masonry wall, it will migrate down through the cracks that are allowing the water to penetrate that. It will solidify and fill those cracks up, and hence making the wall waterproof. And uh, the one thing that got my attention about this product when I said, wow, I've got to talk about this on the air is um, Dennis Woody, the gentleman that told me about it, said you can waterproof a basement wall from the inside. And uh, that just blew my mind. So you actually apply this on the inside of um, – now, I don't know that it would work as well on a block wall. You can apply this stuff, say, to a formed concrete wall, and it will work its way through the pores and migrate towards the outer portion of the wall. And uh, just as a disclaimer, we've never done this before, but – if that works as well as they claim that it does, then I mean, what a fascinating thing to be able to to do. And um, how much less evasive is that than digging out all the dirt, cleaning that wall out, 
doing a retrofit with another waterproofing agent when you can just do it from the inside and get the same end result. They have different versions of this and it can be applied to like whether you're doing a horizontal or a vertical surface, it can be applied differently. The method that we just discussed is more about putting it on with a trowel from the inside of your basement, but they also have a dry shake product that you use on a horizontal surface. And a neat thing that I think I would probably pay extra for is you can actually have your concrete supplier put this in as an admixture. So when they are mixing the concrete in the drum of the truck, they can add this into it. So it's in that wall. Should that wall ever crack, this stuff will already be in there, and it'll do its thing forming the crystals if if you ever have a problem. So. Okay, so we're talking basements and stuff. Can they scale this up in size for bigger things? Or? They they can. Um, they use this a lot in tunnels. So if you've ever seen the underwater tunnel in Virginia there, um, they used a product like this or similar. Uh, bridges, they always have this uh, in the bridge concrete. And I know bridge concrete is estimated to be around 5,000 PSI, but having something like this is just cheap insurance. Um, right. Water treatment facilities use this, and uh, they did some testing to see if uh, water that came into contact with this product will still be potable, and, and it was just fine. Um, precast walls, of course, like we just mentioned, is popular with those, and that's something that you hear about superior or ideal walls uh, in people's basements. Um, the one thing that they had a lot of material on was marine structure, so if you've been to an aquarium and saw how large that aquarium is, they, they use products like this to ensure that they never have a concrete failure. Now let's go back to the uh, Zypex. Um, what's the cost on this stuff? Depending on which product you buy, it's usually less than $200 for what you would need for a repair. And that's a little more expensive than the chimney sealer that we, we use commonly. But for what this does versus a sealing agent that has to be reapplied about every five, six years, I think it's well worth the money. Is this something available to the general public then? It is. You can actually get this on Amazon and have it delivered to your door in less than a week, which is crazy to me. But I recommend going to their technical department if you have a particular situation or if you're not familiar with the product going to their folks and saying, hey, this is what I have. Which one of your products and your wide array of product lines do I do I use? And uh, uh, back to the cost thing, I did ask the, the gentleman who told me about the product how much they charge, and I think he said it's about $50 per cubic yard extra to have the Zypex mixed into the drum when they're actually mixing the concrete. So to put that in perspective, a concrete truck holds nine cubic yards of concrete at a time, so an extra 450 500 bucks per concrete truck. To and waterproof your concrete, yeah, I think that's worthwhile. I think so. For a footing application, I don't know that it's worth it, but anything that's going to uh, hold water out of your house, like your you know foundation wall, basement wall, things like that, I just feel like it's about the cheapest insurance you can buy. Any advantages outright that you can think of with this? This stuff hardens to the point where it can't be damaged by backfill. It's a popular thing to put up a, a styrofoam board or something, at least a rigid plastic or something, before you backfill most houses to keep any kind of rocks or debris from actually puncturing the waterproofing agent, and this stuff is completely resistant to that. It's recyclable. So a lot of times if you have a coating on concrete and you go to recycle that concrete, they won't take it because oh, that, I that, didn't know that. Yeah, that coating or membrane will pollute uh, the mixture and it will not allow them to recycle that concrete. Another thing that I really liked, it, it, it resists hydrostatic pressure. So what hydrostatic pressure is is the ground around your house holds water to an extent and, and that water and the pressure of the, the, or the weight of all that dirt against your house is the hydrostatic pressure. So it's the main thing responsible for pushing water into your house from the outside. And this stuff just resists hydrostatic pressure like no other. And depending on the size of the cracks that you're trying to fill, this stuff can work in just a few days. Uh, the one example that I read that, that caught my eyes that they had a terrible leak, uh, several terrible leaks, and they applied this stuff, and four days later, no more leaks. So what we're talking about here is Zypex. It's a waterproofing agent, and as Donnie explained earlier, 
Think of your walls, concrete walls or brick. They're not solid like granite, for example. Right. They're porous. If you take a microscope and look, you're going to see cracks and holes, and they even have little, you call them uh, tunnels, mm-hmm. capillaries through them. So what this stuff does, unlike a standard waterproofing agent, which just protects the exterior, mm-hmm. when this stuff gets wet from water, it goes into those tunnels and then basically fills the gaps that are left behind, makes it solid, and then your concrete is now waterproof all the way through. Yep. Another thing I thought was really neat is that after it finishes crystallizing and it fills up all the pores and gaps, suppose you have another crack down the road or, you know, there's a, just another problem in that general vicinity. Once water hits it, it just reactivates and it keeps going. So Absolutely amazing. You're going to have all the stuff on Zypex up on the website, Donnie. I already put the video up there and probably important if you want to look this up, it's spelled X. Y P E X. We're also on Facebook. So if you go to thecarolinacontractor.com, you can get the information there. I highly recommend you watch the video, even though it's going to drive you crazy because he doesn't say <laughs> capillary. He says capillaries. Capillary. But it's a cool little product and the actual video of it is fascinating to watch how this stuff works. And you said this is not a new invention though. No, um, they've actually had this technology around for about 40 years. And the more reading I did, I realized they just keep getting better and better and better at it. So, um, I can't believe that I haven't stumbled across this until now, but now that it's on my radar, I think we're going to explore some uses of it that, that will pertain to our world and roofing in terms of how to you know, waterproof chimneys or, or brick dormers better. All right. If you missed any part of this show today, you can always go up to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. Donnie puts links to the show, and it's available on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you download your podcast. And coming up next, we're doing questions from listeners just like you. That website I mentioned, go to that, thecarolinacontractor.com. It's got a little blue button on it that says, Ask the Contractor. Ask your question. Donnie will read them all. He answers them all, and we bring some of those questions to the show and answer them for you to hear. That is next, so hang on. We'll be back with more of the Carolina Contractor Show. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered. Welcome back to the Carolina Contractor Show, brought to you by GAF, the world's largest roofing manufacturer. We protect what matters most. And Mid-Atlantic Roofing Supply in Raleigh, a roofing supplier with a different approach. And we're back with my favorite part of the show. It's questions from listeners just like you submitted to the website, thecarolinacontractor.com. There's a blue button there. It says, Ask the Donnie. Okay, it doesn't. It (laughs) says, Ask the Contractor. But it's all going to Donnie, and he reads these questions, and he'll contact some of the people who send them in. Sometimes you go out to their house and check it out in person, and they bring some of these questions in to answer. So if you've got one, ask the Donnie. All right, you ready? You got a new 9-volt in the uh, thinking cap? Yep, right here. All right. Question number one for the Carolina contractor. We have a couple of rooms in our house that are always colder than the other. Can this be fixed? I know how. 
tell your mother-in-law she has to get her own place. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all week. Now the correct answer, well, Donnie. Well, I had about four things that it could be. I didn't realize that there was such an easy fifth option, but um, it could be several things. And I'm going to break this down into four categories. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is it could be and probably is an air distribution problem. So a lot of times these uh, air handlers that are under your house or uh, located in the attic overhead uh, they have the supply plenums that come off of the air handler, and um, there are dampers there that can be adjusted. So it could have been just when your system was installed that the HVAC tech did not adjust the dampers properly, and it could be that simple that you're getting a lot more air pumped out to the rooms that are closer to where the unit's located than, of course, the rooms that are further away, which makes perfect sense. But um, the only other thing in that same area is that you could have a loose connection. Uh, I've seen that before where... You know, the uh, the supply plenum wasn't connected to the register properly or there was just some uh, duct leakage that, that caused that one room to get far less of an air supply. The other thing it could be is your unit could be improperly sized. I know that we've covered this several times, mm-hmm. but um, if you can figure out the tonnage on your unit, so you walk outside and there should be a, a label or a tag there and it should have on there at some place the tonnage of the unit. So... Uh, what I tell folks is find out the tonnage of your unit and do the math for 600 square feet per ton. So you take your heated square footage, and uh, so if you have a 1,200-square-foot house, it should be a two-ton unit. This isn't always the case, but sometimes if you have a house with spray foam insulation, uh, spray foam causes that, that ton calculation to, to go up. So you can get somewhere north of that to, say, 900 to 1,000 square feet per ton if you have spray foam. Um the other thing it could be is the thermostat location. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times if you got your cousin's brother's uncle's buddy to do your HVAC unit, he may just put the thermostat anywhere he thinks makes sense. His well, name's Cletus, by the Cletus, way. Cletus, okay, that's right, that's right. Um, well, if Cletus put the, the thermostat in the wrong place, you know, that could be one thing. But another scenario that comes to play in the thermostat location is, uh, at my house in particular, we, uh, we have a basement. And if you, uh, Open up the basement door right there in front of you is the return and the thermostat right across on the other wall. So okay. what I found is uh, we run a little Eden Pure uh, heater in our basement just to keep the just to knock the chill down. It works great, doesn't take much energy, but a lot of times it will heat the basement up better than the first floor. So what happens in our house is if the kids leave the basement door open, the warmer air comes out of the basement when the return kicks on. It's pulling the basement air up there. And uh, that thermostat is reading warmer air coming right out of that door than what we have in the whole first floor there. So um, one floor's air can contribute to the next. And, and basically, we've got a 60-degree first floor, and we've got it set on 65, and uh, the thermostat can't tell the difference. Mm. And I guess the last thing that it could be is missing insulation. We've seen this a lot, especially in an older home. Uh, if you go under the cold room, sometimes there's no floor insulation or it's sagged down. And uh, that really contributes to a, a cold room in the in the dead of winter. And um, we talk about this a lot, so I won't go too far into it. But overhead in your attic, if you don't have adequate insulation there, uh, you're losing all of your heat uh, to the attic space, and, and that could be a cost if the room is colder. But ultimately, I think it's a good thing to start with an HVAC tech, just have them come out, evaluate everything, run the problem by them, uh, check the insulation after that, and um, you can't go wrong there. All right, question number two submitted to the Carolina contractor. We had two pipe burst in our crawl space this winter. Is there anything we can do to prevent that before the next cold snap? 
what we often recommend folks do is if, uh, in this particular case, they had copper supply lines and. Like a still. Yeah, basically. Um, but they had no bacteria growing on it. No bacteria at all. Um, <laughs> we recommended to these folks that they change out all of their copper supply lines to a product called PEX. And basically, PEX is a plastic water line and it doesn't break down like the copper and, uh, and PEX is way better insulated. So in terms of a hot water line, you know, it'll hold that hot water longer. If you've been in an older home with copper piping, a lot of times when you kick on that sink, you can hear the pipes rattle. Mm-hmm. There's none of that with PEX. And um, I think you have the option of brass or plastic fittings. My plumber said that he recommends the brass fittings for this. And uh, really, the only time he calls for a plastic fitting with PEX is if you have hard water, like in the country on a well. Right. On that same note, copper will last forever on city water, but not in the country because oftentimes hard water is the case if you get your water from a well. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens there is that hard water will actually corrode those pipes from the inside out. So eventually when when you start seeing one leak, uh, chances are you're going to see leak two, three, and four pretty quick. So it pays to just go ahead and get a plumber out, and it's not as expensive as you think, but switching everything out to PEX will definitely be an upgrade on your house. All right. Question number three submitted to the thecarolinacontractor.com. How long does it take to build a custom home versus a track-build house? I never wanted to back myself into a corner when I built a custom home for folks, so I always tell people it takes about a year. I mean, and it really does, depending on what time you start the house. I, I would also not start a home unless we could get it up out of the ground, meaning uh, above the foundation level by December, because what that means is you're going to be in the dead of winter. You're digging a footing and trying to grade around this. All your workers have to work in, not to mention how cold it is, but how wet and muddy, and it mm-hmm. just makes for a terrible job site. It's a situation where you can wait and start that house in the spring. It's a much better scenario, and you'll finish it faster just working in more ideal conditions. Now, none of that really applies to track-built homes. That all goes out the window because they never stop. But uh, these track builders, the way that they do this, they buy the plot of land. They develop it with streets and sidewalks. And when they start building houses, they have it uh, strategically planned where they can start a house uh, maybe three or four weeks apart. And so a lot of situations will allow their subcontractors just to – to do one house, and as soon as they finish framing that house, that same framer moves to the next house, and mm-hmm. uh, they just keep those going a lot faster because they schedule them that way. They're all next door or in the same neighborhood, so you don't have the travel time, and a lot of times these track-built homes can be built as fast as three or four months. I kind of feel like that contributes to the end game or the, the, the quality that you get because – if it goes that fast, you just don't have time to inspect everything. And, um, you know, even a track-built home is a really big investment. So I, I like the fact that a custom-built home takes a little longer because everybody's on the same page with each trade. Um, I read a cool story that in 1983, which uh, that's the year the building code was basically implemented around our area, but um, this didn't take place in North Carolina. But in 83, hundreds of workers got together, and they broke a world record by building a three-bedroom home in just three hours. Now, they didn't have a video of that, but um, wait a minute, like from the foundation up? I guess so. Yeah, I didn't. Ooh. I didn't read into it to, to see if they started beyond the foundation, but um, hundreds of people and everybody had a, a a job there. They built a house in three hours supposedly to break a world record, but they never disclosed that to someone who would later buy that house. And they said the house was just an instant nightmare. The slab was uneven, pipe burst, uh, flawed roof, mismatched paint, buckled walls, crooked doors. You name it. They really had a lot of problems with this house, if you can imagine. But um, I just I can't wrap my mind around how that could even be possible. Well, did you hear because of the coronavirus in China, they built a hospital in 
days, yes, literally, a literally multi-level yeah. building in just a few days. Uh, they're famous for that over there. If you look into in, into the uh, the building world records, I think China has about two or three of the top five, and uh, I think they built a a thirty story building in fifteen days or something <laughs> like that. And um, I kind of covet their workers. You know, I'd like to for them to send me about fifteen of those guys, and I think I could figure yeah. out a way to be efficient. Well, Donnie, the retirement program for those workers <laughs> is not very good. <laughs> We want to thank you for joining uh, this episode of the Carolina Contractor Show. Donnie puts all this information up on the site, thecarolinacontractor.com. It's also on Facebook. You can also get the podcast. It's available on the iHeartRadio app or anywhere you get your podcast information. And next week, we got a teaser. What's coming up, man? I think we're going to talk about construction exoskeletons. And the older I get, I just see this as as a need. And kid in me just kind of wants one to have one, you know. They've come a long way in just a short time, and I, I feel like it's going to be really soon that we start seeing these things on the job sites. So uh, we're going to try to enlighten our, our listeners and, and just cover the, the high spots. Well, we'll look forward to that on next week's show. And you can, again, get information at the website or on the Facebook. Just search for The Carolina Contractor. If you need something done to your roof or you need it checked out because of the recent storm that came through, please visit SureTopRoofing.com. Donnie and his team can come out and check your roof and make sure everything's okay. But the best thing Donnie can tell you when he checks out your roof is what? Your roof looks great. Call me next year. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Carolina Contractor Show, presented by Shoretop Roofing. Submit your questions online at thecarolinacontractor.com. And tune in next week as we continue to help you make your home great again. Everything under your roof is important, so make sure your roof is up to the job. For over 20 years, SureTop Roofing has been covering triangle homes and businesses. SureTop Roofing is certified with all of the major shingle manufacturers, providing a 50-year non-prorated warranty. SureTop Roofing has estimators, project managers, and design consultants on staff, guaranteeing superior service. Visit SureTopRoofing.com. SureTop Roofing has you covered.